This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, everybody? Aaron Kendall here with my buddy Bill. What's going on, Bill? Hey, Aaron, just chilling in Tennessee, truly chilling, 22 this morning, so... Nice. Well, that's that's cold for Tennessee, but not not too bad for here in Colorado. But uh, I'm glad to be here with you, man. We we decided to do this podcast with no guest, uh, you know, to just recap our year, do a little bit of celebration. And uh, first, just thank you because you've been such a huge addition. You know, we're about one year uh, from from when you joined us and we've done this will be our 24th episode together, which kind of makes sense, right? Bi-weekly for 52 right. weeks and uh, we're getting close here. So I'm just happy you're here and just thanks for joining us. You brought really good perspective. But it, it's been a ball, Aaron, and, and I've learned so much, you know, because, and we'll talk about this, but we've been all over the country, um, you know, really all over North America to some extent and places that I don't think about day to day. And it's been cool. It's been, uh, it's been a journey. Yeah. And I would, I'll just echo that right back at you because I mean, ever since we met and, and started working together and talking together, I know I, I have two things. One, I know more. And, and two, I actually, uh, have a, a, a more appreciation for the Southeast. I mean, you've shown me places in Louisiana and Mississippi and Tennessee and just Arkansas. Like I just, I didn't know. And so it's cool to just, you know, find that, man, there's really other cool places I should spend some more time at. That's just a good thing. It's a great big country, man. A lot of good stuff. Yes. Well, cool. Let's, let's first, I mean, like we always do, let's talk about what we've been doing outside, what you've been doing. Well, I, I finally got into the woods uh, over the weekend and deer hunted, put a couple of does in the freezer. So we're ahead for winter now. Um, and I'm about to go do it again. Uh, after we tape this podcast, I'm headed to a friend's deer camp in, on the Hatchie River here in Tennessee just to spend an evening and a morning there. So I'm looking forward to a little bit of camp time. What about you? Good stuff. I, I love white-tailed doe meat, by the way. That's yeah. one of my favorite wild game fair. So 
that's kind of my deal. You know, yeah. invite me, I'll shoot does. So good. Yeah. Uh, I think since the last time we talked, uh, I had gotten a bull elk and, and we finished off our hunting season with my kid and he got a cow elk. So we have two elk this year for our family. So we're feeling blessed and lucky and just, man, full of, full of meat and happy. And, you know, finally starting to, to not be <laughs> sore. <laughs> but if you have too much elk meat, I'll give you an address. You can, you know, UPS delivers, man. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about uh, who, who does a lot of fishing on the ocean. I was like, well, maybe we can set up an exchange, you know, a little meat exchange. Everybody <laughs> has all the different good stuff. Uh, yeah, we. I was lucky enough to take my whole family back the second day and do a pack out uh, of my, my son's elk. And so my wife and my daughter joined us and we went up 1,600 feet in elevation and like two and a half miles and packed the last uh last bit of that elk out and while we were up there the wind was in our face really heavy and there were eight bulls at about 200 yards you know just laying in the snow popping up every once in a while grazing and they because the wind was was just right and we, we sat up there and had coffee and talked and laughed and bulls didn't even move so that was a really cool wildlife experience and just great to share with my whole family it, it, being able to do that after a successful hunt and I hate to use the word successful, but y'all, y'all obviously killed an elk and that's, that was the goal. But then being able to sit there and watch those elk, you know, just with no pressure, nothing other than just observing the animals is, it just rounds out the experience. It does. It was a fitting and just really amazing cap to our season. And I swear to you, those bulls wouldn't be anywhere inside if it was no. <laughs> if we had a bull tag and we were trying to find them. We wouldn't have seen them, but uh, good right. stuff. I, I, I like this is a good time of year to, you know, relish and be thankful and, you know, end of the year, another year in the books. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm thankful for you. Thankful for you, you know, being a being a co-host on this. I've, we've just had a fun journey and it's been, we've had amazing guests. We've had all these leaders in conservation. We've had, you know, decision makers, senators and congressmen. We've had, you know, leaders in industry, hunting and fishing experts. It's just, it's just been a heck of a year and I'm just happy we did it. Uh, if we can get the same quality of guests again, you know, this coming year, I, I'll be tickled to death because we had some, we had some high caliber people on the show. We really did. And, you know, we, we tried some other stuff too, which was cool. And I, and we're going to keep trying other stuff. I mean, one of the things uh, I was really happy about this year we did was a, was a collaboration with Artemis, you know, our partner program mm-hmm. here at NWF where we called those the CWD Chronicles and we just unpacked the CWD issue. And it's really timely for a few different reasons. Hey, you know, you kind of the CWD issue doesn't it's not going away and it's right. be spreading and finding new states and we sure need more tools. And so, uh, we were lucky to have Ashley chance who is, uh, you know, uh, a deer expert in her own right. She has a, a master's degree from Mississippi state and, uh, she's mm-hmm. an Artemis employee. She's our coordinator from the Southeast. And, and we had her on, you know, uh, in those chronic wasting disease episodes and some of the leading experts, you know, Dr. Kelly Straka in Minnesota, Matt Dumphy, uh, Ron Kind, the the congressman out of Wisconsin who helped lead the bill. We'll talk about that. We're going to get Ashley on for a little interlude here as we Good. do the final episode, and we'll just unpack that with her. But, you know, I, I think some of the other things that were interesting was we tried some field stuff. You know, we did right. a couple of things from Alaska. You did a you did an episode from ICAST with Captains mm-hmm. for Clean Water and a couple other folks. ICAST is a 
is a crazy deal. I don't know. Maybe maybe you can tell folks, man. That's a that's a thing. It's your you kind of sensory overload when you go to that deal. I, I I can't remember the acronym. It's international something something, but it's a it's a fishing industry show, and, and all the manufacturers and uh, magazines and media and that sort of thing. They're all there in Orlando and. It, it's really cool to get to see everybody and and see all the new equipment. Uh, that's always fun. But but more than that is seeing all the different pros and conservationists and organizations that are there. And you get caught up with folks. And after the last few years, anytime we get together is is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you you did a co- cool podcast there and, and talked about some issues happening in Florida, which are. Again, another, you know, here, here you are taking us all the way from Florida. And then some of our episodes took us all the way to Alaska, Alaska. Northwest. Yeah. So we're pretty much covering the span. And that's one of the cool things I really appreciate about how we grew this year. Right. Well, I, I think the other thing that's cool that we have on our on our horizon here is, you know, we're going to do a few more things to improve our content and and make it more more dynamic and, and just get people involved a little more. We're going to give our, our listeners a chance, you know. Our subscribers are, I think we got about 60,000 strong and our subscribers out there, we're going to get those folks nice. a chance to check a, a survey that we're going to send out, take five minutes, but, you know, get, give us some input about, you know, what, what you want to see, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, you know, do you want to be able to ask questions or who, who should we, who should we have on? Those, those are all cool things that I think will just make it more fun and new and, um, you know, we're going to do some more field stuff too. You and I, by the time this records, you and I will have been in, in Bozeman, Montana together um, at the National Association of Sportsmen's Caucuses annual conference. And that's that's put on by our friends at the Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation. Mm-hmm. Legislators from all around the country in the Sportsmen's Caucuses come together, discuss issues, legislative outlook. You know, there's some cool field trips and, and you know, you and I are, are lucky to go and we'll, we'll grab some people. And we'll, we'll uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm just wondering though. Bozeman in December. <laughs> well, well, right now it's it's been a pretty cold one up that way. Uh, I yeah. know my folks are in northern Wyoming, and uh, they just had to go to Billings the other day, and they said it was below zero the entire time, and the uh, the roads were just crazy. People off the road, and you know, so hopefully we get a little bit better better streak than that. We get there safe and sound, and all good. Well, not I. I I will not be able to make this work with just a carry-on bag. Uh, I can already see that. I need some insulated, uh, some insulated garments to tag along. So, yeah, well, we'll we'll look for that. Uh, look for those when Bill and I will be together. You'll probably hear a little bit more energy in our voices because we'll actually <laughs> be talking. Well, one another. I, I'm excited to hear back from the subscribers uh, on what they want to hear and and. Uh, what they'd like us to do, what they like and what they don't, because obviously you sit up here and you do what you do, but you, you're like, okay, I know what I like. I love to hear what other folks like to hear as well. Yeah. And I think I should say we have heard some, some pretty good feedback and you know, you're the addition of you on this has been really good and folks have been liking that. And we hear once in a while about a topic or, you know, sometimes people tell us, oh, that guy didn't know what he's talking about or, you know, this guy <laughs> did or, you know, it's always fun. I'd, I'd rather hear even, you know, we're full of it rather than nothing. So, yes, uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing from our supporters. Uh, we'll, t- we'll tell you how we're going to do that. We're going to get out a we're going to get out a, a survey and, and, you know, as as we wish as we wish our listeners just, you know, happy holidays, happy new year. It's a good time to take stock. 
and and we'll do that and let you know let's just let's just kind of go over the year bill because i think we both learned some stuff absolutely and, and i want to just kind of go back through that and help our listeners you know just remind them of all the cool fun content that we'll do and you know the and and then we'll lead we'll, little cliffhanger here we'll we'll leave you with kind of some of the stuff we're going to be looking to do in 2023 but the first episode we did together, Bill, was with the fellow named Greg Fitz from the Wild Steelhead Coalition, and he kicked us off. And I think that that was like last November, it was about a year ago, as we said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And what he wanted to talk about was the plight of steelhead, and it became kind of a theme, right? Because anadromous fish in the Northwest, salmon, steelhead. I mean, you and I just learned so much this year. I mean, I, I kind of knew, but man, I, I, I learned a lot more. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, uh, my father lived on the West Coast, so I spent time out West. I loved to trout fish and that sort of thing and always read about the salmon runs and the steelhead runs and all, but but I really didn't know anything about it, you know, and I, I hadn't talked to the people there and the all the issues going on in, in the Pacific Northwest is just... I mean, it's kind of like when I look at Louisiana, it's a hot spot for conservation issues right now. Yeah, it, it, it is a hot spot. And, and this Northwestern stuff is just, boy, like, you know, one of the things about anadromous fish is abundance, right? If there's anything you can kind of use to describe, we've all seen those pictures of these rivers that are just running red, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's how it's supposed to be. And it's kind of normal. And so people, you know, you can see a picture of that today of some, you know, you might see, you might see cohos, you might see uh, kings, you might see different, you know, different places at different times. But that abundance, even though it looks like a lot sometimes, is still a fraction uh, of what it was historically, at least for different runs. That's another thing that was interesting to learn more about is, you know, one year uh, the coho may come back well, but the kings won't. Or right. you know, those kinds of things that, that I still don't understand that dynamic and it's just forever fascinating and glad we got Greg on. He was, you know, a really cool guy that, to talk to. And obviously, you know, it's up to anglers for so much of this stuff, particularly steelhead, right? Like the anglers determine so much of their fate, especially in Oregon and Washington. So it's cool that we get to talk to our audience about that and, and help people listen. Folks should go check that one out if they, they want a good good feel for what's happening with the steelhead. You know, I think one of the coolest things to me this year too, Bill, was I think it was your second episode maybe. Uh, we got to talk to Gary Mason. And yeah. on that episode, Gary told us that you were an inductee to the Legend of the Outdoors Hall of Fame. <laughs> and and uh, and I know you've been inducted now. And you went right. to – maybe you could just talk about that a little because that's a pretty great honor. Well, it, it is. And it, I said at the time, it feels kind of odd because I, I don't think of myself as anywhere near being done, you know, retired. And that's normally what Hall of Fames do. But yeah, when Gary dropped that on us in the podcast, I was I was speechless. Um, it's a Legends of the Outdoors Hall of Fame, and they have the event in August in Springfield, Missouri at the Bass Pro headquarters. And that's where they have all the, the plaques of all the recipients and all. And um, it was it was really special. Uh, my son came up, a bunch of my friends came, and um, you know, obviously a whole lot of industry folks who I love to see when I get a chance. And, and that Hall of Fame is just about uh, uh, the outdoor industry and kind of what you've done in it, whether 
from conservation to media to manufacturing, that sort of thing. Like Michael Waddell was, a, you know, to name one of the famous people who got inducted, he's a television star, you know. Uh, uh, Boyd Duckett from the fishing world, you know, if you're a bass fisherman, you know Boyd Duckett. So, you know, it, it was really special to be on the stage with those folks and getting that honor. Well, I, I know if you're in the Hall of Fame of anything, you're doing pretty well because uh, not too many people are in the Hall of Fame of anything. Right. So just just glad to know you and proud of you for that. And that was cool. Wish I could have been there. Uh, but uh, I know all of us at NWF were proud of you and, you know, sent our best wishes. And Absolutely. that was a really cool honor. Well, it, it's appreciated. It was a, it was quite an honor and it was a real good time too. Uh, one of those things I'll never forget. Well, good. I'm going to say another thing to you, and, and I just want you to wax on this one because this is one of our most interesting podcasts. He's an interesting dude, Warren Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Coco is special. I mean, um, <clears throat> I took him on a fly-in. I've known, I've known him for about 25 years, um, and I first saw him on a video in 1986 or 7, and that was the first Duckman of Louisiana uh, video with Phil Robertson and until six years ago when I took him on a fly into DC, I had never seen him except in uh, bib overalls, <laughs> hunting, fishing, working. He wears overalls um, and he wore a suit, you know, in, in DC. But when you get around the guy, he is a, he's a student of everything he touches you know, he, uh, whether it's his manufacturing techniques and all, I mean, he's built all of the jigs that he uses to make boats. He built himself and figured, learned how to do it himself. He tests parts, uh, salt parts per million at his marsh in Hackberry every time he goes. And he can tell you, if I called him tomorrow, he could tell me two years ago in March what the salinity level was in that marsh wow. off the top of his head. Um, he's right now he's writing a book about his life experience, but he's also a guy who, when it comes to conservation issues, he's been super active in Ducks Unlimited, um, well over a million dollars that he has raised for them. Then with us, he's been there, for, whether it's to write letters or do fly-ins or make phone calls or even do some uh, public speaking at, at uh, meetings about some of the uh, issues in Louisiana. So really special person, glad, you know, proud to call him a friend um, and glad we were able to get him on the show. Yeah, I knew you'd be able to wax on him pretty easily. He's a, <laughs> he's a fascinating fella, just obviously smart as a whip and, and you know, down home dude from, from, mm -hmm. <laughs> from the bayou or, or I don't know if it's the bayou. I'm always, the terminology's wrong, Bill, the swamps, the bayou, you know, I'm, that's my Western sensibility coming in. Sorry about that. Bayou works. Okay. Works in Louisiana. Oh, that, but, and then just an innovator, right, with those boats, change duck hunting. And for folks yes. who haven't seen that old video with uh, Phil Robertson there, it's it was in the links of our show notes there. So you could go check mm -hmm. that one out on YouTube, those those two young fellows back in the day getting after ducks. So. <laughs> Shooting old Browning Auto 5 16 gauges. Old yes, Belgian sir. 16s. You know, we also had an author on the podcast, uh, Ron Rohrbach. Ron. Yeah. And he actually read a section of his book, which was cool. Mm -hmm. We've never had a, you know, I, I've never, I don't know that I've even heard a podcast. I've heard some different, you know, radio interviews and different things where people read part of their book, but we actually 
got a chance to have the author yeah. read his book on our podcast, which is fun. And Ron's a Ron's a cool guy in the up in the Northeast. Spends a lot of his time, uses all the parts of his deer, makes clothing and hats, and just a, a cool guy. If you get a chance to check out his stuff, um, well, I, I have enjoyed following him on Facebook ever since the show. You know, he, I didn't know him before, and and now following him on Facebook and seeing all this stuff that he does is fascinating. You know, yeah, that's, that's I, been one of the gross of the show to me is I've met all these people. You know, and now it's like. I see what they're doing every day. Yeah. And thanks to Mandela Van Eden, our, our comms person who met Ron at a outdoor writers conference. I'm pretty sure that's where they met. And she introduced us. And next thing you know, we had him on telling his story. Uh, you know what else we got to do this year? We got to play um, a game kind of like Where's Waldo, but is Where's Ronquist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to get Ronquist on a couple times and we thought we had him scheduled. You and I sat there. We decided, oh, we're going to record it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Jimbo's an old friend as well. And, and it just, I wondered if we would ever make it happen uh, because he <laughs> missed it one time. Uh, I forget what the issue was. Just, you know, scheduling, they, they scheduled wrong. And then he had some technical issues, which we've had. Oh, yeah. Sometime we ought to do a show just to explain to listeners how many <laughs> issues we've had sometimes trying to get yeah. this done. But but then we got it. Yeah, the internet is always the, the, the lowest common denominator in any of this stuff. We did finally get him. I'll, I'll talk about that a little in a second. Um, you know, one of the one of my favorites of the year. We're kind of going chronologically here, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we this was February by this time, and and we in February we had on Bob Budd, and I know you and I both just enjoyed the heck out of that episode. He's the director of the Wyoming Wildlife and Natural Resources Trust Fund, which is a just a unique program. The state yes. actually invests money in conservation of of lands around the state, private lands, public lands, and they and they were actually going to fully fund it or get very close um, at the time. And they did in the legislature in Wyoming that year. And Bob just been around forever. Awesome guy to talk to cool stories, tons of enthusiasm. That was just, that was a fun one. One of my favorite of the year. I agree. And yeah, anytime you get to hear about a state really taking ownership uh, of the issues in their own borders like that and funding conservation, it's exciting. It really is. And that's, you know, that's my old stomping grounds. I'm a Wyoming native, so I really appreciate hearing about the conservation efforts up there. And uh, that, that was a fun one. And then after that, we brought on uh, Alex Harvey, who's, who's, he's a guy doing excellent forestry work down in the South. And he's also involved in about every conservation cause I can think of. He's on multiple boards. He's involved in a lot of different causes. I've enjoyed following him and just, just a great dude too. He's fun to talk to. Good, good person. Glad we did that one. And then I don't know if folks remember this one, one of my favorite too, because we worked on it so hard um, with Casey Stemler and Casey works with the U S fish and wildlife service. And he's, he's the guy in charge of uh, implementing secretarial order 3362. If folks may remember what that is, I think it was uh, (laughs) a, Ryan Zinke signed that during the Trump administration, and it's basically really get some resources together and put some focus on uh, big game migrations across mm-hmm. the West and connectivity. Uh, we work on that a lot. We have our buddy Jeremy Romero, who does that you know almost exclusively for the uh, National Wildlife Federation. 
Right. And Casey's just a great dude. I've known Casey for quite a while now. I always love talking to him. He's he's fun to talk to. He's entertaining. That was just a good one. That I, Both of those were great. Um, and, and interestingly enough, my Mississippi River work, because of it, I've continued staying in touch with Alex because he has a lot of stuff going on right down there in the uh, Mississippi River Delta. And then uh, I, I got to meet uh, Stemler's wife at a Mississippi River retreat that she had put together. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jody. She's great. Jody's, yep, absolutely. Jody's done some contracts for National Wildlife Federation. She's mm-hmm. also an excellent conservation mind. Just she had put this to get, she yeah. put it together for T, uh, TRCP, and we had a lot of orgs down there, and it was a really special uh, and informative retreat. Good. Yeah, I mean, we're we kind of man. Even as we talk, we just got some real all stars this year, and I'm, I'm proud of that. It's it's been a cool lineup and just fun people to mm-hmm. talk to. Doesn't seem like work sometimes. We get to talk to all these cool people. It's just good stuff. Absolutely. You know, and then during this period, right, kind of in that that Alex and Casey period, that's when we you know put out this this thing I talked about earlier, the Chronic Wasting Disease Chronicles. Um, in March and April and, and really kind of unpack that issue, let folks know, you know, from state agencies, what are they looking at? Kind of what the history is from the federal agencies. What are they looking at? Captive servants really tried to give folks a comprehensive picture of the CWD's situation here in the, you know, in the U S and, and, and point to some, some solutions and had, had representative Ron kind from Wisconsin on, because uh, he was really pushing a bill and had introduced a bill in the house. So that was really cool. And we're going to do something here real quick. We're going to jump over and uh, I'm going to talk with Ashley Chanches for a minute, my co-host on that CWD Chronicles podcast. We'll just update folks because there's some cool movement um, that's going to happen. That's happening right now with that. And, and hopefully we can cool. see it pass by the end of Congress, uh, this Congress here. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for joining me here. I just want to take a minute to recap. You know, we did a six-part series about CWD in in early to mid-2022. And here we are recapping the end of the year. You know, what are you feeling about CWD now that you've had a chance to reflect on that series we did and all the developments that have been coming along? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting, even uh, at least... One, if not more of the people that we talked to for the series, like I know the example of Minnesota comes to mind, um, right after we recorded, they found some uh, positives and wild surveys in new areas of the state. And I know that's happened for a number of places around the country in just a short time. And so there's a little bit more, I guess, a feeling of it's, you know, we don't know everywhere that it is. Um, it's spread is farther than our current perception, but there's also a lot of hope, I think, especially with hopefully the passage of the CWD Research and Management Act that we can, you know, get some more momentum behind building tools to fight this. Yeah, I think if, if anything, it's even more urgent, you know, we, we see the proliferation and the spread and, um, you know, you, you recently got a couple deer and, and we've had hunting season now since we, since we, uh you know, last recorded this, how has that changed your perspective after doing that series and then now, you know, harvesting? Yeah. I mean, I think CWD has kind of been on my radar for a number of years. So I don't know that my perspective has changed 
very much, but it certainly has reinforced all of the things that I thought previously about, you know, risks um, and also kind of brought it to the top of mind, I guess, this season, you know, we have harvested three deer. We'll hopefully get one or two more to round out our freezer for the year. And um, our daughter eats meat like it's going out of style. So uh, that's definitely something that I thought about this hunting season for sure. Yeah, and I, my my family harvested two elk. We got both of them tested. Um, we're still actually waiting for the for the second test, but yeah, and I I think it it just is a good reminder every time. It it's kind of interesting to have to worry about that stuff while you're out there, or think it could be you know detrimental. And um, I yeah, let's talk a little bit about this bill because the bill the the CWD Research Management Act that that you mentioned, it's passed the House with flying colors, got through easily. We're looking for a few more senators to okay the, the pay for part of it and uh, sign off on this unanimous consent so we can get it to the uh, the president's desk. We're hoping to see this pass by the end of this Congress, which, as folks know, there's not much time left. We got, you know, mere days of this, this Congress left. Um, so for our listeners out there who, who still want to help on our social media, NWF Outdoors social media, we have... Uh, the capital switchboard number, you call that number, you just ask them to connect you to your to your senator's office. Uh, just say, you know, we really want to see this thing pass. It's important to us, and we need to do all we can to combat this disease, and uh, that'll be helpful. So anything else you want to leave us with, Ashley, as far as uh, the series, you know, anything you're thinking? I think it was a really cool, you know, side project. I enjoyed collaborating with you, and I, I learned a lot myself, and I hope our listeners enjoyed it, and uh, we'll put we'll put a link in the in the notes here to help folks go back and take a look at that if they'd like. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I would encourage everyone to listen to it for the first time or even go back and give it another listen because we talked to a host of experts. I think we got a we really covered a wide field of expertise and voices on this from around the country and a lot of different perspectives. So um, I think it was unique in that way. And yeah, I'm proud of I'm proud of what we accomplished with it. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me for a minute here. We'll, we'll jump back to Bill and I and finish up our recap. Uh, glad we got to do that short piece with Ashley there. We have real movement on that CWD bill, and hopefully we'll have that bill wrapped up and signed by the president here shortly. Bill, you know, you got a chance to listen to that a little, and you're, you you know about CWD. You're dealing with it in your states. What I, you- I mean – the places I deer hunt in my state are in the CWD zone. Um, so obviously it's something on our minds all the time. And historically I haven't been a big deer guy, although a deer hunt. So it, it has been very interesting to listen to this stuff and learn more about CWD and kind of what we're looking at, and what maybe some solutions are going to be. And, and also be able to share that with friends because I have people all, you know, and I know you get this too, well, you work for National Wildlife Federation. Surely you know everything about CWD. So tell me this, you know, <laughs> and, and the the CWD chronicles have at least allowed me to sometimes be able to answer that question. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes there. It's a six part series. You know, if you really want to kind of walk away from something, if you got to drive or something, or you know, you can break it up. But if you really want to walk away, kind of knowing what the heck the scene is with with CWD in our country right now. That's just a, an awesome go-to resource. We got the experts on there. It's huge thanks to you know Matt Dumphy. He really he bookended that. 
he's he's one of the leading experts in the country. Book into that. I I still call Matt and pester him about about stuff with CWD and beyond. <laughs> he's an awesome sportsman and conservationist in his own right, and really appreciated having him on that. Uh, you know, and you know, at that same time, Bill, we we finally got Ronquist on. So we found mm-hmm. we we found Waldo. Um, <laughs> he made a surprise <laughs> announcement about his career too, which yes. he's one of the big players in in the waterfowl industry. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, Jimbo has. When I first met him, he was a duck guide in Arkansas back in the early to mid nineties, um, and and did some work for Rich and Tone and different people. Then all of a sudden, he started filming for Rich and Tone. Next thing you knew, he was the producer of RNTV, um, and the guy just he blew up. And as he is understandable when you get to know him, is just a great personality, great on film, and he actually not only is a great hunter, but he really cares about the resource. And the awards he's gotten from, say, DU and Delta and all, uh, you know, show that. Uh, but, yeah, Jim had been with Rich and Tone for 20, what do you say, 24 or 25 years. And, yeah, a long time. And, uh, announced on the show he was leaving Rich and Tone and going to uh, Drake Waterfowl uh, to work there. So that was an exciting uh, announcement. And I'll tell you what, it shook me up almost as much as that uh, announcement from uh, Gary Mason. Oh, well, you're being humble on that one. I don't know. But uh, anyway, we, yeah, I, we got to spend some time with Jim too. About this time last year, early December last year, we actually I went to his place and man, saw his amazing Sitka spread that he had there and all his decoys <laughs> and was gearing up for a huge day, uh, waterfowl hunting the next day. And helped us out with a little different project we're working on. You know, in that same time, we had an, another person from your neck of the woods, even though he lives kind of in my neck of the woods now, and that's Jake Latondris. Yeah. He's a, you know, pro- professional, you know, cinematographer, told us a fantastic story about how he got into photography and, and, and videography. One of my favorite stories I've heard in a while. And, you know, one of your good old buddies, and you even have a story about him here from recently. Yeah, uh, Jake and I, of course, go back and forth a lot, and he just completed an Everglades video for us. But uh, I saw something posted on Facebook late yesterday about Tennessee. And so I sent him a text said, wait a minute, are you in Tennessee? He says, yeah, I'm at, uh, I'm at Sugar Tree. And I said, you're less than 10 minutes from me. And that's where his old family uh, property is that he's hunted since he was a child, but he has not killed a deer there in over 20 years. You know, he lives in Colorado and he doesn't get back here much. And he has a tradition, some kind of traditional bow. I won't pretend to know what it was. He called me right before we started the show and he'd killed a six point this morning and he has killed 200 inch deer, you know, and he said this six point meant more to him he was sitting in a tree that he sat in when he was 12 years old wow you know and he said so this deal it's it just amazing uh, the the emotions were really special and you can tell jake's that kind of guy he, he really feels deeply um, when it comes to the outdoor world yeah you heard that on our podcast too uh you know he talked a couple of different stories about his dad and you know it was even emotional. I appreciate that, right? A, a visceral yeah. humans that, that that live like that and, and think like that. And he, he's an interesting connection to me, too, because, uh, you know, I grew up, went to high school in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's where Jake <laughs> lives. And he has a 
has a little place there, hole in the wall, right in downtown Fort Collins called Town Pump. Yeah, uh, I sat in that place many a days and and had a fresh, you know, frosty, and mm-hmm. uh, never knew Jake. I mean, I'd seen him in there and actually, you know, seeing him again, it was like, man, I know, I know you somehow. Then <laughs> uh, through you, and you know, here it all goes. Now you remember when we were at Ronquist's place. The refrigerator in his shop oh, yeah, had pop yeah. stickers on it. You said, that sticker. <laughs> you're like, what are these doing here? And I just started laughing. So this stuff is almost incestuous at times, it seems. <laughs> yeah, well, let's call it symbiotic. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, those were really fun. And, you know, I, I, just again, just thinking back about it, I realize how cool it is we get to talk to all these people. Uh, and, you know, and then – what another great honor in late April, we had Senator Martin Heinrich join mm-hmm. us, which is a great honor. Senator Heinrich is probably one of the most consummate sportsmen in all of Congress, hunts all the time, fishes, travels to do those things. I know when he gets back to his home, you know, his home state, he fishes as much as he can or uh, sorry, hunts, I know. Um, and he is also one of the big champions of probably the biggest NWF priority right now, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Right. And we got a chance to let him tell us, you know, why he champions that, why he cares about it so much, kind of the process that it was in. Um, and, you know, again, kind of like the CWD bill, we're, we're hanging on, hanging on pins, uh, sitting on pins and needles here, hoping to see Rawa, <laughs> as we know it, pass, you know, right. before the end of this Congress here in December. That was really cool. I tell you what, I don't know how you pulled it off because getting five minutes from a senator, even when you're in D.C. and can walk in office and just talk to them, even getting a few minutes is seemingly impossible a lot of times. So uh, that points how much he cares about that legislation. Yeah, and he's he's been really gracious with his time. Good dude, friend friend of the sportsman, friend of con- sporting conservation. I, I just... I'm honored and, you know, I'll see him again one day and I'll thank him again and maybe we'll have him on again. Um, then, gotcha. you know, Bill, I think one of the, back to what we talked about earlier from, from April to, to October here, just, you know, a month or two ago, we had multiple other podcasts regarding salmon issues. As we talked about in the beginning, we had uh, Brian Kraft of the Alaska Sportsman's Lodge. He talked about Bristol Bay, you know, mm-hmm. home to, the biggest salmon runs remaining left on earth. We have right. Ann Brooks and Aaron Lieberman uh, who are in Idaho. Brian is the executive director of IWF and Aaron is the executive director of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association. And they talked about the Snake River dams and, and some of the push to get those lower Snake River dams removed to help salmon recover in the Columbian River Basin, Columbia River Basin. And then last we had Mitch Friedman and Jared Erickson um, from Washington talking about transboundary mine, which again also affects salmon and a bunch of the work that the Colville tribe that Jared is the, the chairman of, uh, right. you know, all their work and, and just multiple watersheds up there. And, you know, you said many times that lots of the salmon work was new to you, mm-hmm. you know, reflect on that a little. How do you feel after kind of knowing all these myriad issues? Well, yeah. And how, how intertwined it all is. I mean, when, when you said we were doing a show on transboundary mining, I had to Google, you know, and it, in reality, I, when I, once I read about it, I was, okay, I've heard about this, but it's so far from me, uh, both on the map and just in what I do with my work 
but it's it's not on my, the front burner. So it was fascinating to hear how precarious some of that is, some of that mining, um, and, yeah. and the things that could occur in a hurry if something goes wrong. Uh, and, and then just all of the sal- salmon and steelhead runs and the rivers and the dams, um, how these things have just slowly chipped away at, at the populations. Um, and, and there are a lot of people who care and are trying to fix it, but it, it's an uphill battle. Like and a I lot don't of know if they're, you know, if our Northwest was the greatest runs on earth, I, they had to be one of the greatest runs on earth. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, there, there was salmon clear down to almost Los Angeles. Right. You know, back historically. And now they're creeping up to where there's barely any salmon anywhere in California or Oregon. You know, Oregon's still got a handful. Mm-hmm. Washington, you know, the more north you go and the more kind of conservation work that's been done in those watersheds, the better off they are. We've got climate issues. We've got dams. We've got development. I mean, they're, they're kind of really running, facing the gamut, you know, and just a fantastic species. I can't imagine thinking a life without them. It would be a sad, sad day for the world. And right. Glad we had those folks on and, you know, we'll continue to talk about that because that, that conversation is certainly not over. No. Um, well, let's, Let's talk a little bit more too about waterfowl too, because you got a couple of really high level guests, Mike Brazier and Chris Nikolai, and you're the duck man. These are these are Delta <laughs> waterfowl ducks unlimited guys. They know as much about ducks and waterfowl as about anybody. You know, bring that knowledge into this. Well, those guys are both waterfowl scientists, biologists um, by training, um, and it's their vocation and their avocation. Uh, Mike works for Ducks Unlimited, uh, and Chris works for Delta. Both of them uh, are properly called doctor. Um, These guys know waterfowl, so being able to get them on the show, like we had Mike on to talk, this was right after they had flown the spring counts for the first time in three years. So um, he was starting to get some of that initial data, and, and we were able to talk about what those counts are, what they mean. Uh, what the water situation was looking like uh, on the prairie potholes, um, and then how that all impacts what kind of season we might be looking at this year. Uh, and then Chris, we we got on the back end. He, he We talked to him just really a few weeks ago when he's in Bismarck, North Dakota, and the, the cold had just hit. I mean, he went from on a Wednesday hunting ducks and, and relatively warm to the next day, everything locked up, froze solid, snow, everything yeah. was migrating out. And, and he was able to talk about <laughs> huh? that crazy cold front he got. That was yes. a stinger. Yeah. And, and so we were able to talk about that and talk a lot about migration and kind of where he thought waterfowl were right now. Yeah, just, just good stuff. And again, I get to kind of learn a part of the the conservation world and the wildlife world that I'm just don't not, do not know much about. And, you know, again, I thank you for that. And those are good things. I was forever fascinated from both of those guys and glad we got them on, you know, let's, let, you know, let's recrap a little too. We, you know, we had on people like Steve Bowman talking a little yeah. bit about fish and the work he did. We had Chris Powell, Crispin Pally, sorry, who we've met and hangs, hangs out there in Tennessee with you, professional bass fisherman, awesome guy. Uh, we were on location in, in Alaska with our affiliate there, the Southeast Alaskan Conservation Council, 
talked to a guy named Chad Hoover, just an inspirational guy, kayak bass mm-hmm. fisherman guy. That was pretty cool. We had another author on, uh, Rue Mapp, founder and, and CEO right. of Zafro, who wrote the book Nature Swagger. That was just recently. You know, and that that really brings us up to a heck of a year we had. You know, we talked <laughs> to so many cool people and so many great topics and kept it, you know, diverse in people and topics and regions and everything you could think about. I'm I'm really happy when I look back on our year. Me too. And I I it it's been heartening how many people have reached out to me about a, a show that maybe I wouldn't have thought was their interest and then boom it's man that show really got me whether it's rue or bowman or whoever uh, something about it you know with these great guests there's a message that a lot of these folks have that can prove helpful and can in, and, and they're inspirational yeah and i and i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about one more topic especially policy wise here we had a really interesting conversation with uh, David Wilms of Wyoming and Mike Butler of Tennessee about yeah. the Pittman-Robertson Act, right? And there's a thing called the Return Act, and I'm not going to try to remember what that acronym means right now, but it was introduced by Representative Clyde uh, out of Georgia. And it basically does a, goes a long way towards repealing the Pittman-Robertson Act and really changing you know, the way those excise taxes have worked for 80 some years now and uh was was seen as a real threat um by the sporting community you know pretty much every conservation sporting organization you can think of rallied against it the thing's not dead i mean it it died during this congress but you know there's a chance we see it again next congress and uh you know just i'll give you a chance to talk about it bill but just a kind of a don't let that die in your mind, right? That that's a threat, and yeah. you stay vigilant and and diligent, and and be ready for that next next Congress. Yeah, that that was that thing just hit all of us out of left field. Like, where is this coming from? Because no one gripes about Pittman Robertson. You know, I, we're the ones who wanted it. Our our forefathers in conservation and sportsmen who hunted, they wanted Pittman-Robertson because they saw what was coming if we didn't fund conservation. And all of us realize how incredibly successful it's been and the need for it to carry on. And then this guy who, he just didn't get it, I guess. And and he managed to get some folks to sign on with him. And I, I, was, I was so happy to see how many sportsmen and organizations got loud over it um if if we were that active in every other conservation issue (laughs) be no telling what we could get done yeah and multiple sponsors dropped off because of that effort so yeah let's 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 keep our eyes out for that one and um you know that that was a heck of a year bill let's talk about some more good stuff we're going to be launching a survey that will come out uh to our listeners just shortly after the release of this episode hopefully take about five minutes ask folks you know some of the things we need to know to understand who are our listeners how old are they where are they from you know uh, what do they like listening to what's their favorite conservation topics you know what else do they want to see so we'll get that out to folks um we're also doing a cool uh, thing that we're going to launch called a field. And this is going to be really short, fun podcast, just, you know, hunters, anglers, outdoorsmen, outdoors women, 
out there in the woods, having short conversations with the friend, maybe even just talking themselves, you know, mm-hmm. describing the place they're at, what they're doing, if they're out there hunting, what they're hunting for. Um, we think those are going to be really fun. Just nice light listens that, uh, get people just, you know, you got five minutes, you want to pick up, you want to be taken kind of somewhere else for, for five, 10 minutes in the day. That'll launch here in the new year. Um, going to kind of just freshen things up. We're going to give folks a break from us here. <laughs> We're, we'll, we'll launch this one on December 2nd here. And then uh, you won't hear from us again until about February 2nd or so. We'll give you a couple of months to do that survey, catch up on all these old ones, you know, get, get some time with your family, get out there outside and uh, look for us again in the new year. If you're this part of the country, we're giving you time off to hunt. Yeah, and I mean we we still hunt here. I'm I'm mostly a big game guy, and there's still waterfowl seasons going on. Mostly moving to uh, the river now because the the lakes are all pretty well frozen, all the all the standing water. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll get out for some uh some for some floating blast on my local river here here pretty soon. But uh, finally, when I get done processing all this elk, that that's a lot easier on your knees than packing out elk, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to just float down the river till you find some ducks and when they pop up, you know, grab a couple. You got to be a good shot though because if they uh if they get away, then they go down and they land, you know, <laughs> quarter mile down or whatever and then they're a little they're a little quicker to get up the next time you come along. They recognize right. the blue boat you got coming. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh we'll let folks go there. You know, thanks for listening. We'll see you in, in 2023. Bill, it's been my pleasure and honor. I'm, I'm so glad you're on. I, I look forward to, to doing this some more in 2023. We'll see you this next week. By the time this comes out, we will have yeah. together and recorded some new podcasts for next year. And That's going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. I've enjoyed every minute of it, Aaron. Well, thank you, sir. And happy hunting and fishing and exploring the outdoors this year, folks. And We'll see you in 2023. Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors.